Uh, particularly maybe the younger ones, since uh, basically E.F. Hutton and those commercials doesn't exist in that form anymore. But here, here's what you picture. The commercial would be like this. There'd be a, a busy restaurant, all kinds of, you know, conversation and clamor going on. And then over in the corner, you know, a guy would say to, you know, the person he's sitting to uh, there uh, for his meal, so what do you think's going to happen on the market? And the friend would say, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, remember what would happen? Everything would go silent, and people would all lean in. And then you'd have that, you know, uh, word come, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Now, my dear friends today, I'm not telling that just for, you know, a little reminiscent uh, thought for you today, uh, but I believe that this is connected even to our reading today about the transfiguration of Jesus. This isn't about an investment portfolio, but it is about listening to one with credibility that we can trust, that we would actually give ourselves over and truly to listen to that one who has such credibility that we know we can trust. And who better could we trust than the Lord Jesus himself? Well, what I'm hoping you get out of this message today, and not just the message, because it isn't just about my words, but it's about God's word. But what he is calling us to today is that each and every one of us would take to heart and take seriously his call that we would listen to Jesus. Um, why? Do you do so just because someone like me, someone with the, you know, the title pastor stands before you, or, or even just somebody that you know, you've kind of gotten to know and you, you basically trust says, you know what, you should listen to this guy. But I'd like to suggest to you that that's not reason enough. What I'd like to suggest to you is that you indeed need to listen to one who you can trust the evidence continues to point to the fact is what Jesus says is true. So we began about uh, uh, 10 weeks ago with the Christmas season, and then that followed into Epiphany. And let me just uh, revisit a little bit of some of the evidence that helps substantiate why when the Lord says from those clouds, listen to him, you and I should. Because it was prophesied that he would come. It was prophesied that the Lord would be born of a virgin, and that we celebrated with Christmas. And not only that, but he came as that one to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice without sin to take our place. And Jesus, he continued to amaze people that he wasn't like other teachers, I mean, even as a, a young boy, he amazed the people in the synagogue when he showed up and he spoke to them from the scriptures. And how about when he did his first sermon? When it was preached in Mark chapter 1, the, the elders there were amazed, and this is what they said. What is this? A new teaching? And they weren't the only ones. 
By the way, also the demons recognize the authority and the truth of his word. Mark says, for with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And the Gentiles, they recognize his power. It wasn't just the Jews. And not only that, but creation heard and responded and obeyed his word. Remember on the sea that day with the disciples in the boat? They think they're about to drown, and Jesus gets up, and he commands them, Quiet! Be still. And then you read in that section of Scripture that he even commands the wind and the storm. But Jesus in those three years, then, uh, of his ministry, we continue to follow him as he commands the evil spirits. He heals people. He performs all kinds of miracles as he is proclaiming over and over again this great word of God, this word of salvation. And at this point, we turn with him in his ministry to when he leads Peter, James, and John up on the mountain there at Mount Hermon. And before their very eyes, he was transfigured. His glory was revealed. But this isn't just the word of a, another man, but this is indeed my son, my chosen one. With him I am well pleased. And there on the mountain was Moses and Elijah, which is symbolic of the Old Testament law and all the prophets that all pointed to him. And there they stood. And this voice says, This is my beloved. Listen to him. Listen. Five seconds of silence. And I bet many of you got uncomfortable in just that. That leads into this. Why don't we listen to him? There's a couple of things that I think go into this. First of all, our lives are so filled with so many voices so many messages, so many people trying to captivate our minds, our hearts, and, yes, folks, our lives. There's almost no room to be listening to Jesus. Here's a question. How many of you watched at least an hour of news this week? Go ahead. Come on. Now, if I was real bold, I'd say, how many of you watched at least 14 hours, two hours a day? It, it happens, right? Now, how many of you read one or two magazines? How many of you read The Daily Sun and all of its happy news, right? <laughs> you know, I know, I can speed read it in 10 minutes, and if I do that, you know, seven days, there's 70 minutes. And how many of you listen to talk radio or just music? Now, consider this. Every moment of all of those things that I have just noted, they're pouring into you. They're talking to you. And whether we fully realize it or not, they are influencing us, they're molding us, they're shaping us. 
Now, keep in mind, as I ask these questions, I'm including myself in them. Now, how many of us actually this week actually opened up, you don't have to raise your hand, you answer it in your head, but actually opened up the Bible? Besides us being here in church seven days ago, how many of us took time to open that word and let God speak to us and open our ears and listen to what he would say? Truth is, there's this battle going on for not only our time, but our hearts and our souls. With that also, well, you know the phrase about selective listening? Yeah, it shows up in my house sometimes where, you know, I have children who at times we've said, you have selective listening. You're not listening to what I'm saying. Or we may say it to spouses or others that we love, right? You know, I I said it to you, but you didn't hear it. (laughs) The idea behind it is we... We pick and we choose what we want to hear and how we want to apply it to our lives. And here's something else. We pick and choose it to the extent is we'll listen to what we want. Like, come to me all you who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I want to hear that. How about, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love. That's music to my ears. I want to hear it. Come on, Lord, give me that. You know, the Lord said, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Give me that one. Now let me challenge you on the other side. How about when Jesus said in Matthew 10, he who loves His father or mother, son or daughter, more than me, isn't worthy of me. I don't know many parents who want to hear these words, and they certainly don't find comfort in them. Or how about when he tells his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. And there's another one. Self-denial is not something that we very willingly seek to practice. We love to pick and choose what we're hearing and what we're going to listen to and what we're going to take and apply to our lives. Let me give you an example of how we kind of do this. Um, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. So I would venture to say 95% of us have an IRA. 95% of us have some kind of retirement account, and we've been saving, you know, maybe for years. Now, here's the question. Is Jesus saying, don't save, don't invest. And then we begin to say, well, let me, let me apply this. He, he's, he's here maybe instead of telling us, you know what, just be careful you know, not to become so reliant upon that, not to you know, trust that more than God. But I'm not going to go and answer it, but I'm going to ask you this. Is that 
all he's really saying. We have to be careful of how we will take certain scriptures and pull out of it what we want, or let me add this, even what we think rather than what he says. But here he is today again saying, this is my son. Listen to him. Make him number one. Jesus throws at us all kinds of difficult uh, teachings. How about the one we had last week? Love your enemies. Those who curse you, bless them. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who mistreat you and persecute you. I don't know about you, but let's be honest. Not easy. You and I can probably, every one of us, think of individuals in our lives who have hurt us along the way. And the idea of loving them and even giving back to them? Huh. No, not easy. We take the words of Jesus and we apply them in such a way as to fit our own beliefs and values. But here's a danger. When you and I begin to pick and choose what we want, we are not really getting the full Jesus or the full picture and blessings of who Jesus is. We're beginning to create our own Jesus, and there's danger in that because instead of fully knowing and following and trusting in Him alone, we're ended up without recognizing it. We are following our own Jesus of our own making. And that Jesus has no real power to transform us and mold us into the image of Christ. So what do you do? What do I do? I know I at times say this, but I need to, because one of the things that when I'm writing sermons and I'm you know, uh, trying to bring this word forward to you, I'm also bringing it to me. I know this world you and I live in. I know the voices that are calling me to give them attention and that distract me from following and trusting Him. I know it. So what do we do? How do we listen to Him more intently? How do we take that word and truly make it our own and apply it into our lives? Well, folks, you've got some great opportunities that are right before you. One, this week begins with Lent. It's an opportunity for us to slow down, to maybe eliminate some of the distractions that are in our lives. We can give more time over to listening to Him. It may be in Wednesday night worship. It may be in those Lenten devotionals that you will receive today. All of those, both of those, are great examples and ideas, but let me challenge you with one more I'd like you to do. Pick one gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All, it's your choice. Read it through. And receive the word that is there as the very word of God. In particular, what I want to encourage us to do is to really read and think about Jesus' words to you. Take them at face value. 
recognize the credibility of the one who is speaking these words to you, to me. And let those words further mold you and shape you. One of my favorite um, passages of Scripture, and I uh, often use it when I'm doing premarital counseling, and uh, it's from Paul in Colossians where he talks about clothe yourselves. Now, you know, sometimes I get laughter when I read it and I kind of pause there for them. They're like, huh? But he says this, listen. Clothe yourselves as God's chosen people with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And above all, love one another. Here's what I believe the Lord is calling us to today and what he's calling us to in this Lenten season. To put Christ on. To be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And the way that this can happen is by us slowing down and listening to him. There's a, an old story about a, a young prince, and he became aware of this just beautiful young princess in a kingdom uh, nearby, and he'd often see her out riding, but he was afraid to introduce himself to her. And one day he was at uh, the king's tailor, he was getting, a, I guess, a, a new suit of clothes made for him, and the tailor noticed how sad this young prince was. And he said, Sir, why are you so sad? And I guess this young prince must have felt safe there in his presence. I have a feeling they'd probably, you know, um, been uh, working together or together through his life at that point. And he said, There is this young princess that I would like to meet. She is so beautiful. But I know that when she sees my face, she will run the other way. For you see, this prince had a deformed face. And the tailor said, Sir, do not worry. I will make for you a mask. And you will be the most handsome of all princes in all of the kingdoms. And the tailor did just that. He, he made for him this mask, and the prince put it on his face. And then he went, and he introduced himself to this princess. And he said it was like love at first sight. And every day they would meet, and every day he would share with her poetry he'd written. He'd sing to her a song. They would just truly enjoy each other. And finally, he said, I love you. And she acknowledged that she too loved him and gave her his heart, her heart. But she said one thing, but you must take off the mask. You can imagine what was running through his mind as he was called to do so because he felt this would be the last time he would ever see her. But he took off the mask 
And she said with tears in her eyes, you are more handsome than I ever imagined. Now he was stunned. And then he took a mirror and he looked. And that mask that he had worn, it had reformed and reshaped the skin and the muscles on his face. And he was as handsome and as wonderful as was that mask. Nice story, but it's a fairy tale, but this isn't. When you daily come into the presence of the Lord, when you open his word and maybe just read a a few verses or one chapter, every day putting on the clothes of Christ, You and I, we will be molded and shaped into the very image of Christ. Not by the world, not by what we see, but by Him. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that we would be a church that when people encounter us and meet us, they experience the glory of Christ like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Somebody even said, no need to know who it was, but when they walked in, the person introduced me to a friend and said, this is why I'm here. And I said, no, you're here because of Jesus. I do hope that you see in me a mask of Christ. As Luther said, every one of us are a little Christ. But that's my prayer today for you, that we would take this glory of Christ. We would take what we have received from him. We would take this into our neighborhoods, into our homes, into our families, that they might know him and they too might listen to him and be molded and shaped for him by him for this life and all eternity. Let's carry Christ into the world. Amen.